We have this fancy stand, which we have found. It's called an Ambo, by the way. And there's clearly a height restriction on it. Come here, I've got to get back a bit, otherwise people can't see me online. Go back a bit, back a bit, back a bit. Go on, that's better. First of all, a prayer. Oh God, open your word to our hearts and our hearts to your word. Give us grace to receive it, to understand it, and to obey it. For the glory of Christ our Lord. Amen. So you're depressed. Everything has gone wrong. Nothing is the way it should be. And if you're one of the Jewish people at the time that that Old Testament lesson was written, you'd been taken into exile seven, nearly 70 years before and you wonder where it's all gone. Where has God gone? Where is it? Mind you, there were some there who went native and decided to stay put, but we'll come back to that maybe later. But those wonderful verses from Isaiah 55. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. Come, you that have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Here is Isaiah, what we often call the second Isaiah, because this one's prophesying during the exile. The first one, chapters 1 to 39, is the story of Isaiah's prophecy before they're taken into exile in Babylon. From 40 to 55, words to the people who are there in Babylon. A wonderful book, absolutely wonderful. It's often been referred to Isaiah as the fifth gospel for the, because of these chapters from 40 to 55, which starts off saying, comfort, comfort my people. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. All is not lost. All is not disaster. Things seem to have fallen about in ruins all around you. God is God and God is the same God. Just wait. God will deliver you. And then the wonderful prophecies that we get often coming up to Christmas, actually, and also coming up to Easter as well from that bit of Isaiah. The prophecies of the suffering servant. The one who for our transgressions was slain. Now, we interpret that, of course, as a prophecy for, about Jesus Christ. But in the context of the Jews in exile, this was somebody God was going to send to deliver them. And then this chapter that we've got, which is the last one of the, of the if you like, the second bit of Isaiah's prophecy, chapter 55. Here we have him saying, come, buy and eat, you who have no money. So who's invited? Well, the thirsty and the broke are invited. Those who've been beaten down. It doesn't clearly refer to the people of Israel in exile in a state of famine who have nothing at all. The prophecy is deeper and richer than that. It's those who have no hope. And there's nothing to be gained, and what's more, they've got, if you like, no spiritual capital to spend to get it anyway. 
Where is God in all of this? Life has turned into dust, into dry dust in their mouths. And so that's a word for Christians today as well. If things seem to be dry and dusty, but what seemed exciting, what seemed enervating, what seemed to motivate us before has turned into nothing. And we don't know, we don't know how to regain it because we've got nothing to spend to get it back. Those are words from God for us. Because you can come and buy and you don't need money. Well, that's a strange land to be in. You're invited to buy it. But then there's no money to pay. Well, that's the first set of people who've been invited, the thirsty and the broke. But there are other people around as well because there are the self-sufficient. Because the prophet says, but why are you spending your money on that which doesn't satisfy? Why are you wasting your money? And we're not, again, remember, talking about physical water and wine and milk. We're talking about the things that resource a person's soul. But you're spending what spiritual capital you've got on stuff that actually gets you nowhere. Oh, I've got enough money, I've got all that I need, I'm satisfied, I'm okay. And yet when I look at my life, what does it really mean? What's behind it all? Have I really achieved anything? I come to old age and look back and think, I'm not sure I've got all that much to be satisfied about. I was hoping for joy and for success, if you like, but what the fruit machine of life has given me is three lemons. So there's two sets of people invited here those who know that they're spiritually poor and those who realize when they look at their life that they probably are. And what's on offer is water and milk and wine. Water, of course, is always about renewal and about cleansing and about strengthening and about entering into something new from God. Water gives life and renews that's on offer. And there's milk to feed and to nourish. But there's more than that. And this is the joy of this passage. There's more than that, Isaiah is saying to the Jews in exile. There's more than that, God is saying to us. I don't simply want you to be alive and be nourished. I want you to be joyful. I'm going to give you wine, and that's free. It's for you. It's life in all its fullness. You're not here to just merely exist and live, says God. You're here to enjoy the life that you've been given. And of course, the Christian resonances of that are huge. About Jesus saying to, um, in John's Gospel, that you will feed on my body and my bread, uh, the bread of life, and you will drink my blood, and you will have life within you. You will have life that will go on and you will have life in abundance. Some of you may have sung, uh, well I was going to say in your childhood, it might not be in your childhood, it might be much more recently, but it, uh, it isn't something I've sung for an awful long time. 
a chorus that goes, I'm feeding on the living bread, and I'm drinking at the fountainhead. And whoso drinketh, Jesus said, shall never, never thirst again. Actually, I won't sing it to you. <laughs> what? The chorus goes, never thirst again. And then answered by, if you divide the church, the other, no, never thirst again. And whoso drinketh, Jesus said, shall never, never thirst again. And that's the offer that Isaiah was pointing out that God was giving to the Jews in their desolation in exile, but also through Christ to us today, that we shall never, ever thirst again. This is the life that's on offer, the life that is greater than merely living and existing. And Isaiah goes on to point out that there's more to it than that. There's a huge bonus to this and part of God's purpose. I'm not just giving it to you, Lot, because you're my chosen people. I'm giving it to you, Lot, because all nations will see this and will come flooding to the worship of the one true God. See, you shall call nations that you do not know, and nations that you do not know shall run to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One, for he has glorified you. The living bread and the living water that flows from Christ is not just for us. It's for all the nations of the world that they may be brought into the kingly reign of God. He finishes this wonderful passage with a command. Seek the Lord while he may be found and call upon him while he's near. Let the wicked forsake the ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them return to the Lord that he may have mercy on them and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. The warning, you can't simply put it off forever. The warning and the exhortation to everybody. If that emptiness, that dustiness, that dryness is something you perceive in your life, well, the Lord is revealing himself to you at this point. Seek him while he may be found, because he's here. Because you can put these things off for too long until you no longer see or can hear what's on offer. In the Lent course we're doing in Shadowlands, there was an interesting quote that we saw last week. Ralph C.S. Lewis, in a rare moment of introspection earlier in his life, saying, I've spent all my life sort of in the shadows. The sun was always shining somewhere else. And what Isaiah is saying to the Jewish people at that point, and what God is also saying to us, the sun may shine on you. It won't make everything perfect in this life, but it will give you that glimpse of life eternal, of the living bread, and to drink at the fountainhead, and to know that you will never, ever thirst again. Because my thoughts are not your thoughts, says God, and your ways are not my ways. The reason I'm, you're hearing this is because I'm God and you're not. I have a purpose. I have promised to deliver my people Israel. I have promised to bring the kingdom of God to all nations. And so shall it be. The rain and the snow come down from heaven. They don't return until they've watered the earth, bringing it forth and sprout. So shall my word be that goes out of my mouth. It shall not return to be empty, but accomplish that which I purpose and succeed 
in that which I sent. God's purposes will not be frustrated. If you hear, if you obey, if you follow, if you seek, in fact, that's only the command, just to seek, and then take the water and the milk and the wine that's for offer for nothing, for free. For free, because it's been paid for by God himself. And this passage ends up with the most wonderful affirmation, and we're going to end up our service today with it as well, where the prophet says from God, for you shall go out in joy and be led back in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall burst into song, and the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come the cypress, instead of the briar the myrtle, and it shall be to the Lord a memorial, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Come, buy, eat, drink, and then enter into that great joy and party of our Lord. Amen. Just keep a moment of quiet to reflect on Mike's words.